0: This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. Today's message is titled, Transition Requires Change. Your destiny and future are tied to your making a change. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God.
1: Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 18. I want to talk about my subject today, my theme Is transition requires change. Can y'all say that? Transition. Transition. In order to transition, in order to go to the new place that God has for you, it's going to require some change. And a person who demonstrates change significantly is Hezekiah in the Bible. Hezekiah. Uh, became the king of Israel. And in relationship to how his father acted, his father, was a, probably, his father was probably one of the worst kings. But he became one of the best kings. He demonstrates what it means to be willing to make a change. I thought I ought to talk to you about it today because God's seeking to move some of you. That's why I say this is the season of transition. God wants to move you from one one place, one element, one dimension of your life to a rather more significant place in your life. Amen. 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 But you have to be willing to change. Some years ago, my wife had a terrible back problem, back pain. And we kept going to the doctor, but things didn't get any better. So I made a suggestion to her that we needed to find a new doctor. And we found a new doctor, went to this doctor, and instantly, within five minutes, he said, you've been, you've been diagnosed incorrectly and the treatment you're doing is not going to help your back. And in five minutes, he told us what to do. She did it, and now she ain't had no back problems since. Yeah. The diagnosis, somebody who can tell you what's the matter and what's wrong, facilitated change for her. Ray, Ray Rhodes is the guy's name, who used to be a defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks football team. Ray Rose was having a stroke one day, and uh, he told his daughter while he was in the middle of the stroke that he would be okay. He didn't need to go to the hospital and think he was going to be fine. So uh, after the stroke and after he got treated and all of that, uh, he made a decision, and he concluded that he could no longer work 20-hour days. He could no longer... extend and stretch himself to that degree and he said he said this either I have to be willing to change or I'm going to die can I say that to you today either you should be willing to make a change or you're going to die tell your neighbor that change or die tell them on the other side change or die tell them Say it with an attitude. Roll around your neck around that little thing around your neck. If you're unwilling to change, some of us will get so stuck in the way we've done things and what we've been doing and how we've functioned and what we have been used to and what we like and what we think it needs to be. We got so stuck in it that we don't recognize if we don't change, we're going to die. Some of you, if you don't change, you're going to die spiritually. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. And I can go through the Bible and find so many people who were willing to make a change and alter the course of what they were doing and how they were living their life. And it brought about significant change change in their life, and I, and, I, and, I, and I want to challenge you today to do the same. In our text, 2 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah becomes king, and here's a guy who makes some drastic changes in the, in the country, some drastic changes in Israel. As a matter of fact, his, his changes were so drastic that I want you to see verse number uh, 3 of 2 Kings 18. They were so drastic that the scripture gives us this commentary about what it did, he did. It says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He, he made, what he did was so drastic, so different than what had been happening in the past that the scripture said, let me tell y'all about, about him before I tell you what he did. Let me tell you that what he did was right. That's how drastic it was, that the Scriptures had to tell us what he did was the right thing. And the question is, what what did he do? Somebody say, Pastor, tell us what he did. I'm going to tell you what he did. When you read this passage, you might not understand the significance of what he did, but here's what he did. Look at what it says. He did, verse 3, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broken pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burnt incense to it and called it Nehushtan. Now, now, you might not follow what the significance of this is, but let me, let me back up and tell you what happened 700 years earlier. Somebody say 700 years earlier. 700 years, 700 years earlier. During Moses' day, the children of Israel had angered God. They pissed him off because they were worshiping the false gods and and, and idols. And God called serpents to come. And when people got bitten by the serpents, they died. And Moses went to God and made an appeal to God. And God told Moses, okay, I'm going to forgive the people and I'm going to heal them. So he told Moses to make a brass serpent. And put the brass serpent on a pole and elevate it. And if anybody gets bitten by any of these serpents, if they look up to the brass serpent, they'll be healed and they'll live. Are y'all with me? Have I lost you yet? And so, 700 years, that's what they did. They put this, Moses put this brass serpent up on a pole. And anytime anybody looked to it, they would get healed if they had been bitten by the serpent. Now, here they are 700 years later and they are still looking up to the brass serpent. Now, the purpose and the assignment and the anointing and the gifting that was on the brass serpent has long since departed. But they're still looking up at the brass serpent. There are some things in your life that had a role and a place at some point in your life then now here we are five, 10, 15, 20 years later, but you still got it going on in your life as though it's gonna make a difference. Thank all seven of y'all for that rousing affirmation of that point. I know it's I know, it's, I know it's, it's tough for you to say amen to what I'm saying. I know it's tough for you to agree with this because if you think hard enough, there's some stuff in your life that you need to change. There's some practices that you've got in your life that you need to change. And And when Hezekiah came along, he did a rather significant thing. It says right here in verse number four, he removed the high places, broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and look at this. This is amazing. Verse four, put it up there, and this is amazing. Here's what he did. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. You see, nobody else Prior to him, had the nerve, the guts, the audacity to take something down that Moses had done. Y'all do. Moses was Moses was the man. Moses was the person who led them out of bondage and led them uh, out of slavery and led them through the Red Sea. God did miracles through Moses, and nobody had the nerve or the courage to take down the bronze serpent, and and get people to stop looking to it. And matter of fact, the text says they were bowing and they were burning incense. They were still honoring it. They were still worshiping this this bronze serpent that had long since lost its effectiveness. Its season was over, but yet they were still seeking and trying to do and looking to it for something that it was no longer capable of providing. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there's some stuff in your life There's some practices in your life. There's some relationships in your life. There's some elements in your life that are no longer good for you that you need to make a change. Look at your neighbor and say, he preaching better than you are saying amen. He he didn't just take he didn't just take the bronze serpent down he broke it in pieces He destroyed it Now our churches in in the season of transition and I met with my we had a, re, a summit for all of our leaders yes, yesterday and Friday we went away and met with all of our leaders all of our leaders and ministers and deacons and deaconess and the elders and the leaders of ministries and the vice presidents of ministries, and we propose some things to them that's going to require change. We've had structure and organizations that worked well for a season, but God says it's now time to make some transitions. And my first point today is that making a change—write this down—will require courage. You got to be courageous. He—he—he he, he removed. Uh, uh, Hezekiah removed the high places, broke sacred pillars, cut down the wooden images. All these things they were bowing down to and worshiping, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent of that Moses had made. He, 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 he destroyed all of the things that they were bowing down to and honoring and worshiping and brought about a change. I want you to just take inventory of your own personal life about the stuff that you got going on that you need to break in pieces. Go ahead, I'll wait. When I became the pastor of First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, we made a lot of changes. We used, to, we used to have, we could have a three hour service when I first came. We could have a church for three hours. I don't wanna be in anybody's church for three hours unless, unless Jesus is really there. Do y'all, do y'all know I'm a timely person? I believe to start on time. I believe doing things in a timely way. Yeah. We, we, used, to, we used to have, uh, when I became the pastor, the first few Sundays when I got to church for the early 7.30 service, the parking lot was full, but, they, the, but, the, but the building wasn't full of people. I said, what are all these cars doing on the parking lot? When I became the pastor of the church, One of the practices that was going on here is some of the ministries would sponsor trips over the weekend. I feel a cussing spirit rising up in me when I think about it. And they would meet at the church, catch a bus, park on the church parking lot, and come back on Sunday night after church was over. Leave on Saturday morning, come back on Sunday night. I feel a cussing spirit rising up in me. And you know where they went? Atlantic City. I said, what the? Oh, no, that got got to change. And it took courage for me to tell these ministries, no, we're not doing that no more. There are no more trips like that. When I became the pastor, we had 32 clubs. And that's what they were, clubs. It was the Willing Workers Club, the Good Samaritan Club. We had these clubs, and and here's what they did. They had anniversaries. That's all they did. They would have an anniversary. We had 32 Sunday afternoon Anniversaries at three thirty, with about thirty people in attendance at the anniversaries. Are y'all listening to me? Thirty-two of them. Thirty-two anniversaries. Thirty-two, and, all, and that's what they did. After they had the anniversary, they spent the whole year, rest of the year, planning the next anniversary. And when I came in and taught the church that the role of ministry, the role of the church is to do the work of ministry. We are to help poor, hurting, needy people. We're to share the gospel. And so I challenged all 32 ministries to write a vision and mission statement for what they're going to do. I challenged them to go to, to uh, I challenged them to find a need in the community and serve it. And that's exactly what they did. We, we changed the name from clubs to ministries. They found needs in the community, and, and it was life-altering and life-changing. It impacted this church significantly. As a matter of fact, when I started teaching the church that we, had, we have a role and responsibility to meet the needs of the community, I met with, uh, I did a, I, I did a, we did a, ch- a church alive institute I brought in a mentor pastor of mine who challenged us to do this and he asked a question one day when he, he drew two circles uh, a pie on one side and a pie on the other side, a circle with a pie and he said name the auxiliaries of the church and he named, we named all 32 of our clubs then over here he said name the problems of the community and we named all the problems of the community and then he asked us what are these clubs doing over here to address the problems that are going on over here you could hear a pin drop on the carpeted floor. Because the, out of all of the 32 ministries, the only one that could make a statement about serving anything was the sunbeams, which happened to be led by Mrs. Woodrick, who happened to have a commitment to seniors. And Ms. Woodrick would take the sunbeams, the children, she would take them to the nursing home and sing to the, to the seniors. And that was the only thing that we could point to that the ministries did on a regular basis. And we got convicted. And so that first year, we made a commitment that every ministry would find a need in the community and serve it. And when Dr. Tramiel, the pastor I had come in, came in the next year... And started off the week with those two pies. And he asked, what are, these what are these ministries doing to serve these needs over here? And those ministries began to stand up and tell the stories of what they had been doing and people they had changed and people they had impacted. You remember that. It was life altering. Y'all, are y'all hear me? I'm going somewhere. Just hang with me. We, we made a significant change in the life of our church to meet the needs of our community. It was drastic, it was significant, amen. And I'm thanking God for the fact that we ain't ain't been just doing church work, we've been doing the work of the church. I wanna ask you a question. What is it that God is asking you to change? Your destiny is tied to you having the courage to make a change. Your future is tied to you having the courage. Transition requires change. You got to be willing to change and you got to be willing to be obedient to do what it is that God is telling you to do. What is God telling you to change? I asked the question. I wait. wait. What does God want you to do? For some of you, God wants you to get saved. (laughs) Get born again. Stop just going to church. Be the church. Amen. Don't just attend. Get, Get right with God. For some of you it might mean changing how you manage your finances. For some of you, it might mean change how you treat your spouse. For some of you, it might mean how you treat your kids. For some of you, it might mean how you treat your family, how you treat your parents. I only preach, Master? I'm doing the best that I can. For some of you, it might mean the job that you attend For some of you, it might mean the church you go to For some of you, it might mean how your practice when you first get up in the morning. For some of you, it might mean going to bible study on Tuesday night. For some of you, it might mean enrolling in the Bible into class, that you ain't never taken a class. You ain't never took no class, been to no class, taken no class, you ain't never read no book. Go on and preach, pastor. I'm doing the best that I can. What is God asking you to change? Transition requires change. Transition requires change. Transition requires, Transition requires change. Transition requires change. Transition requires change. Yes, sir. That's
0: it, yes, sir. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yes, sir. That's it. Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I need you to get that in your heart. I need you to get it. I need you to understand what I'm trying to tell you. Now, hold on. Let me say one more thing. I I, I don't have time to go through my other points today, but let me say this right here. Uh, Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, put it up there on the screen, verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what it says it says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. You got to learn to trust God. Ooh, yeah give me give, give me something right there yeah thank you. Now hear what I'm saying this is my let me just close with this. When, when you start being obedient to God, it does, what God tells you to do does not always make logical sense. When, 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 when God tells you to tithe and you can't even pay the bills with the money that you have right now, and then God says change by tithing, logically you can't figure out how to do that. So there comes a point in time that you have to say to yourself, uh, I'm gonna trust God to make a way for me out of nowhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I know you, I know you've been dating this Joker who ain't saved. I know you've been, you know, you feel like if he if you let him go, you ain't gonna have nobody and you're gonna be by yourself, but you done stuck out with this unsaved Joker, this unsaved person you've been dating, cause you hoping he's gonna wanna marry you and so you, you, you're willing to take but I'm telling you to trust God that God has somebody for you in your season and your time oh I can't I, I thought I would get to single people to say amen and preach with me right there I, Yeah, I'm trying to tell you to trust God. Be obedient and trust that the God we serve knows the details of your situation and your life and your circumstance, and because he loves you and cares about you, he got your back, and in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. If you make the right choices and do the right thing and be obedient to God, he will take care of you. Can I get an amen right there from somebody? Same thing with your money, and same thing with your job, and same thing with your career, and same thing with whatever you got to do. Transition requires change. Go ahead and damp three or four people up and tell them transition requires change. Tell them boldly, I'm telling you, roll it around on your head, roll it around. I don't know how y'all do that. Roll it around, tell them. Somebody say, I need a change, I wanna change. I'm hungry for change. I wanna see God step into the domain of my life and do what I cannot do for myself. I like living the kind of life I'm living. I like living my kind of life because I see God opening doors that I could never open. I see God working miracles that I could never perform. I see God doing things for me that only God can do. Hey, won't he do it? Won't he make a way? Won't he work a miracle? Do I have any witnesses today that can say, "Won't"? Do it. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Okay, sit down. One more thing, and I'm gonna be finished. I should I should stop right there. Let me read verse number five to you. Why read verse five? Let me read verse six. So transition requires change. Change requires courage. Change requires you to trust in God. Trust the Lord. And let me close with this. Verse six, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. He held fast to the Lord. That went over y'all's head, didn't it? He stayed close to God regardless of what happened in his life, he stayed close to God. Regardless of what the circumstances. See, see what happens is, you, you encounter troubles in your life and you, you abandon God. I'm just telling you, no matter how difficult the rain gets, no matter how difficult the storm may come, stay with God. <laughs> Stick close to the lily of the valley. Stay close to him. Trust him because he will work it out. Somebody stay stay close to him. And you know what verse 7 says? Y'all know what verse 7 says? I said, do y'all know what verse 7 says? The Lord was with him. Now, my challenge to you today is to stay close to God. I don't care what you're going through, what your circumstances might be, Stick with God. Amen.
0: You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. God's seeking to move you from one dimension of your life to a more significant place in your life. But you have to be willing to change. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglennarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.